I don't know how many like cliffs I die on in MCU, like on takes of movies. Like obviously you have your greats, which have to be great, but I don't know what like Thor: Love and Thunder has to be terrible. That's yes, that's mine. But I don't know. You got wiggle room with a lot of the other stuff. That's what I'm saying. Like almost every project is, if you said I like that movie, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. I'm not gonna fight you on that. And that's the beauty of it, man. Because like the MCU has created like. It really is a foolproof formula, I guess. I don't like to call it a formula because it's just churning out things for content's purposes. I hate when people use that because you're discrediting all the years of work that these actors and directors and like producers, the cinematographer, like all of this work that people do for the the formula. And it, it, come on, I I don't I I just really don't like it when people use that, you know. And this this. Werewolf by Night is no exception, you know? It's it's something new, it's something original, it's beautiful, man. I, I actually, I all I know is that you thought it was good. Sam didn't like it either. We finished it, it, could, like not, it. it could not have been polar opposites. I was like, wow, that was fantastic. And she was like, eh, I feel like if it wasn't Marvel, no one would care. And I, I was like, well, that's kind of, that's kind of unjustified. Well, it, like, I, Okay, it's like impossible. It's impossible to look at things that way. If this you wasn't can't. Marvel, how would it have done? It's not possible. Like even because I was thinking about, I was thinking about She-Hulk a lot, and I was like, would I watch this if it wasn't Marvel? But then, like, I you can't even think about that because obviously the answer would be no. But then also, would it be no? Because what if it was just completely different and. It, are people only hating it as much as they're hating it because it is MCU adjacent? And if it stood on its own, people would actually think it's quite genius. It, you know, it's it's so hard to think about all the possibilities because this is this is the one thing that it is. It it is part of the MCU. Right, and that's why in the phase those first movies could really like they could stand apart from that because there was no MCU. It was like. All right, is this a good story or is it not? I can freely judge that. But now every project that gets churned out is like, okay, was is it is it that good? Is it according according to what we've had in the past? Is it as good as that stuff? And it gets compared to like Infinity War and Endgame and the big Marvel greats when the movie is not designed to approach the highs that those movies get to. You know, no, this movie was created for something different. You know. Multiverse of Madness is not an Infinity War type story, no matter how much how many people wanted it to be cameos a, a, like a, a glory, you know? That's why it's so interesting, because at, the further we get, the more it is going to keep escalating down this spiral. And I do think that um, we'll talk about it more when we actually start this. But oh, I'm 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 maybe I think I think I might keep this say. in. Oh, OK. Uh, we're having a really good conversation as of right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Multiverse Monologues. You are joining the conversation of Mr. Wensloff and Ben Rayside's conversation about the MCU and where it's standing right now. But we're going to transition uh, soon into Werewolf by Night, which is the latest and first special presentation that Marvel is doing. And I hope that it continues because we're going to get into how very interesting and really special this special is 
But um, Mr. Wenslov, how are you doing today? You know, just like today's topic, I'm feeling special. It is a special day. You know, it's a Spooktober, and we get to watch Werewolf by Night. So I'm I'm excited to talk about Werewolf by Night, but I'm more excited to be sitting here in this chat with you, Ben. Yeah, well, thank you. I, I share that viewpoint as well. And so, obviously, we're going to be talking full spoilers for Werewolf by Night. And in the 50 minutes that w- that they have showed us, it's going to be full in-depth spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, I would definitely, just quick spoiler-free thoughts, I would definitely go check that out. It is something that Marvel has e- experimenting with, and I hope that they continue down the line and give us this every Halloween, or maybe even just experience a full special, maybe two hours of a werewolf by night or a blade or a mummy or anything like that. Maybe even a howling commandos special down the road, but we'll get into it. But before we do uh, go subscribe to our YouTube channel, we've just had a video downloaded today. We've got a video coming tomorrow and uh, many more down the line on all of these uh, special projects that are coming out from Marvel, Star Wars, DC, Lord of the Rings, and all of those other projects in between. Uh, There's a lot going on, especially on the podcast side of things as well on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. A review on any of those sites would be greatly appreciated. But let's head over to the MCU. Let's open our sling ring and talk about Werewolf by Night. With every choice we make... History branches in two, creating one Earth, where we made the choice, and a second, where we didn't. Multiverse would be a more apt description. What's a multiverse? Multiverse is a concept about which we know frighteningly little. Who are you in this vast multiverse? (sighs) This shouldn't even be possible. I got a bad feeling about this. Multiverse is real. This Halloween... Can't escape the shock, the terror of Werewolf by Night. Tonight, it is every hunter for themselves. Good luck. I'll be rotting for you. So yes, we are talking about Werewolf by Night. And Mr. Wentzloff has prepared some opening notes and a plot summary for this Marvel special presentation. Yeah, Werewolf by Night, the first special presentation from Marvel. And uh, from the sounds of it, we are going to be get getting a lot more of these. So fingers crossed on who we will get uh, having appearing in these. I mean, we just talked in our Ghost Rider podcast about maybe a Ghost Rider Halloween special or just a special whenever. It doesn't have to be Halloween. But yeah, this uh, Werewolf by Night is the directorial debut of the man himself, Michael Giacchino. And uh, Ben, do you want to just spit out a little bit of Michael Giacchino's work for us. Yeah, so Michael Giacchino, I'm a score guy, and I listen to movie music all the time. And he has done, he is probably the busiest man in Hollywood with over five projects just this year in 2022. Some of those including Thor, uh, Love and Thunder, and of course, The Batman. If you haven't heard that, please go give it a listen. It is a pleasure to your ears, but he has done many projects over the years. And his most famous piece if you've ever seen the Pixar film Up, it's Married Life, and it shows the life, chronicles the life of uh, the two, the main character and his wife. But he has done 
a plethora of different things, but he said he has always wanted to direct. And as Ethan stated, this is his directorial debut. He also has composed for one of Ethan and I's favorite projects, The Late Great Lost. Yes, we would be remiss to not mention Lost right here when uh, that that's considered not, I don't think, his first uh, place of work, but definitely his uh, rise to fame would be composing the scores on Lost. But yeah, so the characters in this special are Jack Russell, played by Gael, Gael Bern, Bernal, and Elsa Bloodstone, played by Laura Donnelly, Versusa, I probably said that terribly wrong, played by Harriet Harris, Joven, played by Kirk R. Thatcher, Azarel, played by Eugene Bondurant, Leorn, played by Leonard Nam, and Barrasso, played by Daniel J. Watts. And the plot of this is... Following the death of Ulysses Bloodstone, five experienced monster hunters, including Jack Russell, are summoned by Ulysses' widow, Versula, or Verse Verusa. How do you say that, Ben? Do you know how to say that? I believe it is Verusa. Verusa, okay. To Bloodstone Manor, where they are instructed to participate in a competitive hunt to determine their new leader, who will wield the powerful Bloodstone. And there you have it, folks. And if you've seen this movie, or I guess it's a special, it's not really a feature-length film, but it clocks in at, I believe it's 52 minutes on Disney+. Plus. But, I mean, it's certainly pretty cool, man. I, I came away with this. I was very happy with what it did and what the implications were for the broader MCU going forward. I could definitely see a future in this type of storytelling, for sure. I mean, just the characters that we've been introduced with for Werewolf by Night, which is Jack Russell, and then Laura Donnelly's character with Elsa Bloodstone, who I only know from the Marvel Contest of Champions mobile game. I use her actually quite a bit in that game, and she is very overpowered, but that's all I know. <laughs> Laura Donnelly plays her absolutely fantastic, and I'm not I'm not going to lie, she might be my favorite character in the special. Mm, and I mean, definitely, like, just thinking about Jack Russell and uh, a Bloodstone, or Elsa Elsa Bloodstone, yeah. The introductions to these characters are just so strong in this short special. Like these two character introductions are some of the strongest we've seen in a long time. Do you think it's because because this is something that's going to get thrown out around like all across social media? This has been the first project in the MCU that's been really full seriousness. I I count maybe three jokes in the entire special, and that was kind of towards the end with man thing or i guess we can call him ted and jack russell at the end but do you think it's because it's a more serious in tone it definitely might be but uh just because a tone is more comedic doesn't mean we don't get attached to characters like i always like to think about the guardians movie the first one we got we got attached to those characters pretty quick and that's a more funny movie i just think just the com these characters are just seem more compelling and we are given just enough and just just a uh, little enough, like that right happy medium to where it's like, yes, I do want to see this character again. And they were really interesting. Yes. And I agree. But I also I said that Elsa was my favorite character, but I also don't want to take anything away from Jack Russell, who was played excellently in this whole special. And especially with the plot twist that goes forward, I just really like the the plot that it sets up because I, I really if you really think about it, this was like 
this really came upon us. We've been talking about rumors of Michael Giacchino's mystery project for nice since like last year, I'm pretty sure, on the podcast when we like started this up. But it just had its trailer last month at D23. That was its first trailer. And now it's just here. Wasn't officially announced till September. And now here, October, we have it. So the the quickness at which the they officially announced it and then released it was insane which is why the potential of these specials could be huge because we could just be sitting here and then uh, a couple days down the line, they're like, oh, we're, we have a Cyclops special coming out. And we're all like, what the? No way. So I think this special format is not only just a great platform to tell stories, but just to kind of pull something out of the, the rhythmic that are the phases. And like, like, cause this story takes place, we probably think in the 1940s around that time. So it just it will still appear on our MCU timeline thing, but just it just won't feel as separate. If you know what I'm saying, it won't feel. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, this is the flow of the movies, and then boom, we gotta go here, and then kind of like uh, the biggest example would be Captain Marvel right after Infinity War. That just didn't feel right, but I feel like the special presentation kind of allows for that, especially on Disney Plus, because then you have it separate from a big movie release that it just it. It could shot right onto Disney Plus. You said 1930s. Is that when this is set? I didn't even think about it. I I assumed it was present day. Well, based on all the music and just the overall style, you can assume assume that. And the dates on all the the uh, gravestones in the the scene when Elsa and Jack are in there, you can see. I think I don't know when the latest date is, but yeah, 19 1940s is the common belief. Interesting. Hold up. Hold up. Cause I'm I'm hoping that we can see Elsa again, and if this was if this is 1940s, I assume she'd be dead by then. Who knows what the bloodstone does? And I don't know how long do werewolves live. I'm sure, like, but that that's also a benefit of these specials is you can have one-off characters. I mean, Man Thing. I'm sure we'll see Man Thing again sometime, and Werewolf by Night. We'll probably see him again. And I mean, yeah, I'd love to see Elsa, but. I could totally be wrong about this um, this time period. That's just what it felt like to me, and that's what a lot of the fans are saying. That's what uh, Eric Voss told me on uh, New Rockstar. So I'll, I'll trust that. But, yeah, I mean, the multiverse, anything's possible. Very true. And I this is coming from themarysue.com, which says, For most of the special, the vintage aesthetic loads you into believing that it actually does take place in the 30s or 40s. In an interview with Collider, director Michael Giacchino was coy about Werewolf by Night's time frame, saying that the one thing we all agreed on is it takes place within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, it's in there. We never say when, how, or why. So they deliberately leave it up to interpretation for when it takes place. Those graves, the, the gravestones, I forgot about that. I didn't, I didn't look at when those were set, so maybe we'll have to go give it, maybe it'll give us a rough timeline, but I guess, yeah, 30s and 40s, man. That would be the common belief. It would make sense, too, because all their outfits were pretty older-ish, I guess. Yeah, and that that's the smart thing to do, is not to give it a, a set time frame, because you, you see that with a lot of the MCU properties lately, is they'll have the 20, 20, and then the rest of the date is just kind of blocked. Like in Hawkeye, you saw it covered by a plant, so we don't really know the exact year, and I think Marvel's just doing that kind of to keep storytelling loose. Like, if they want to say, oh, this is actually 2026, they don't want to have a 2025 date in there. 
I mean, may, probably going back to the occurrence that Sony did with the eight years later in Spider-Man Homecoming, which still no one understands. It just, well, yeah, that one, that one still to this day, it boggles my mind of how, how it was messed up, I guess. I guess, were they told about Endgame in the time shift and they wanted to like, I don't know, even with that, it still doesn't really make any sort of sense. But did you know that this was shot in 12 days? Was it you who, was it you who reported this? No, I, I saw a thing where it, Werewolf by Night was filmed the whole thing in 12 days. The whole, the whole story. I mean, it's only 50 minutes, but they were given 12 I mean, that, days to film it. That's still super impressive. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. I didn't know that. And the, the, uh, the man thing was all practical effects. I mean, obviously there's CGI involved. You can't like grab. No, someone yeah. But have... that shot of him sitting on the log with, uh, Jack Russell, that that's practical. And that's super cool to see them bringing practical effects back into the MCU, which lately, like, the reason that this special is being talked about so much is because of how unique it truly was. Because, like you said, the lack of comedic tone, this is completely different from that. The style, it feels like a director was given full reign, which is what tons of people thought Multiverse of Madness would be. And I still argue that Sam Raimi got really full reign in that, but a lot of diehard Sam Raimi fans say that he didn't. So there's that. But Michael Giacchino, you just see his his stitching on every frame of this. So that's super cool to see the black and white aesthetic, the characters, the the lack of like even Michael Giacchino not revealing what time this takes place in. It all just it all helps to just cement this as just something something special. And I mean we gotta talk about the violence. The violence is just it's really uh it's, it's a, just, yeah. It's, it's something so man. Yeah, it's very nice. And they, they he said he was surprised that this got a TV-14 rating. And he believes the only reason that is is because of the black and white. Yeah, but yeah. they went hard with the violence, man. I was very surprised to see something on Disney Plus with that much blood and violence and gore. But I was I was in for it, man. I, I, I envision a future, possibly next year or the year after that, where we see something with Blade, with Ghost Rider. And they can really lean hard into this supernatural violent stage of the mcu man like I i'm so happy that this is doing well and i believe it opened with like a 97 percent on rotten tomatoes with a 100 percent audience rating i believe it's down actually I'm, I'm gonna check right now but it's doing very very well on all fronts so if if marvel is wise and they always are they will continue this and hopefully but with more specials do you i do you remember you watched Ultimate Spider-Man, right? Yeah. Do you remember the episodes with the Howling Commandos, the Halloween specials? It's a long oh, time I, ago to test your knowledge. <laughs> I might, I might. Like, you know when you watch things and you just know, "Oh, I've seen this before. This is bring back nostalgia." That I might get some of that, but right now on the top of my head I cannot place it. Okay, well, that that's my extent of all of these things and the knowledge that they have like that's all i know about any of these characters like um man thing appears it's like a team basically it's kind of like the midnight suns but it's a team in the show it's they're directed by shield but they can do whatever they want in this upcoming thing but it's blade moon knight is on the team um uh werewolf by night obviously and then uh, man thing and there's a few others that i can't really place at this point but it's like a whole team of of people so 
they could go. They have two teams of supernatural beings that could go werewolf. They could go the Howling Commandos, or they could go the Midnight Suns. I am just so looking forward to that being the future of where they go. I just, if this is set in the 30s, I really want to see Elsa again because she was the best part of this special, I think, by far. I mean, I like Jack and Ted, and the werewolf costume was awesome. I, I, I That being fully practical with all the action sequences and that one take that was that centers and takes them right into that hallway it gave me really good feelings man <laughs> i'll uh so obviously the this special was great but as i watched it my brain just kept flashing forward to daredevil born again that's just where my brain kept going and obviously he spoilers for she hulk he appeared in she hulk episode eight and that was a more comedic take on the character i wouldn't expect that to be how the character is moving forward i wouldn't expect that at all and seeing this special gives me more assurance that they can take daredevil in a darker way that the not maybe not as dark as a netflix show got but if this halloween special made it on disney plus then i mean come on we can get a dark daredevil show and the violence in this special was great and i mean the the one talk the one shot with the the werewolf we had two one shots or we had a cup we had we had like three probably more than three one shots in this special but i don't know they all they all just uh gave me hope for daredevil gave me hope and because it's on it's releasing on disney plus so i feel like they can get away with it more since it's not like a fully produced like tell like movie you know everyone's going to go see a movie but it's more selective if you put it on disney plus and even now you have you have deadpool you have logan on Disney Plus. So there is that avenue that you can take. And I hope that they do take. I'm looking at the Daredevil uh, writers right now that they have so far on IMDb for uh, Born Again. Matt Corman is one of them. I, I, I'm not sure his, I don't know any of the movies that he has had a hand in, but Chris Ord, another writer, is on most of the same things. It looks like they're kind of a duo when it comes to it, but. Um, there isn't much news yet on directors for Daredevil Born Again, but I know that they're actively developing a script, and Kevin Feige's not stupid. I, he Daredevil can appear in She-Hulk and have a comedic tone, but just the nature of Daredevil himself, especially when it's his show, I don't think there's much cause to be worried, especially two years down the line. They'll have this thing nabbed down. I believe at this point, with the 18 episodes... They have a story in mind. You don't go up there and announce 18 episodes without an idea in mind. And I think I think we're in store for something big, especially with possibly cameos coming in. Because in a Netflix show, he represents many people. But in this, he can now represent, especially in New York, very key figures who might show up. I, I feel like it, it's going to be, in some ways, the lawyer show that She-Hulk wasn't because she's based in San Francisco, he can now represent possibly anyone from New York, whether that be Avengers or otherwise. But I have I have little doubts now, especially, I mean, even after She-Hulk, dude. I actually really enjoyed his portrayal in She-Hulk, for the most part. So I, I have confidence. No, yeah, I definitely have confidence too. And just, I think when we look back at this, I'm still calling this the COVID era of the MCU we're going to be able to put up a, a string line and perfectly graph 
look at the quality and see, yep, this is where this is where the quality kind of lingered and wasn't top tier. But I really do think this Werewolf by Night special really is the end of our not lull, but kind of just lack of quality because Wakanda Forever looks amazing. Secret Invasion looks amazing. And all the Phase 5 and 6, they look great. They look great. And it really does look like a more serious MCU, which fans, we we have been wanting for a while. Do you think we needed this? Because after Endgame, it was very depressing. And did they need kind of to take it off of the high stakes and bring it way down and have a more comedic tone? Because there hasn't been much stakes, I guess, in many of these recent projects as far as world goes. Do you think that was needed? Definitely, definitely. You can't have every movie be end-all, be-all. I mean, if we're talking about stakes, we got to bring up Eternals, where a celestial almost explodes the whole earth. <laughs> so the stakes there are huge. But no, yeah, I think... I don't... It's hard to say what... Obviously, everything Feige does is intentional, and they didn't intentionally make less exciting projects. I'm sure they did everything they could and the best they could, but you definitely do see a quality drop sort of since in recent projects. And I, I focus mainly on the shows because I was looking at the movies and for the most part, I think a lot of the movies are still really stellar other than Thor love and thunder, which I think took a massive dump. But like I was looking at every movie we've got since Endgame, I've really enjoyed most of them. I think especially Shang-Chi, which as you, as did the days go by, dude, that, project gets higher and higher on my list i really want to rewatch it it's just with the times that we live in right now and my five shows that i'm keeping up with as they as they premiere it's kind of difficult to get the free time to watch the movies as well as what we're doing with our marvel movie marathon yeah and also this special format i hope gives way to things that before like uh miss marvel or moon knight that had to be um not they they had to be shows they were shows they weren't theatrically released but now with the special format we could even delve into disney plus exclusive movies because i mean not everything has to be theatrically released and not everything has to be a show because we can justify i don't know did miss marvel need six episodes I, i think a vast amount of people would say no and way more people would watch a an hour long special of miss marvel than who actually watched the whole show in a different time. We could have seen that. I believe with Ant-Man, if this was now when Ant-Man hadn't been introduced, I wouldn't see him making the big screen. His, both of his portrayals. Although I, I love both of those movies. I really like the Ant-Man movies. Paul Rudd kills it, but I could see that becoming if released today, that could be like a 50 minute, you know, hour long special. And that's, that's the thing to bring it back to werewolf by night. I wish this was a little bit longer, man. If at 50 minutes, especially with the credits, maybe even a little bit less than that, I feel like it could have been longer. If I have one critique, I wish it was longer. I definitely think that's a valid critique. And just everything they set up, the uh, the Hunger Games clue-esque scenario that everyone was thrown into, it it really could have benefited being longer, but also the, the shortness of it also is part of the beauty. But, yeah, I mean, if that's our complaint, that it's too short, then I... I'll, I'll accept it. Dude, that's what I was going to say earlier. 
the plot is what I love the most. Like the, just the concept of a bunch of hunters getting in a room and there's like, what? Well, well, I believe there's six of them. And then they have to go fight this monster. I was in from that point on. And just the way that, did you see like the little O's on the top of the screen or whatever that signal, like the yeah. old style of the filmmaking? I just feel like so much care was put into this. And I love that Michael Giacchino got to do it because he's been wanting to do it for a while. And I hope he does more because I really like this thing, man. I, I think he could do a full-on like film. Oh, for sure. Like I, I, That's yeah, not even give, a question. Give, give him Blade. Give him Blade. We could totally get that. So hold on. Is, the aesthetic now. Yeah. Is Sam Raimi directing Blade or no? What's uh, the no, deal? No. Really? Yeah. Confirmed. Like, I, I thought it was Let confirmed me. that he was. Because I, I remember seeing all those reports that, yo, Sam Raimi. Well, not all of them. I, I guess it was a little bit less reported than usual. But I, I definitely remember seeing posts that say Sam Raimi's directing Blade which I'm all for, but is that not the case? Yeah, Disgusting Film posted it on, what's the date on here? On September 29th. It said, Sam Raimi is set to direct Marvel Studios Blade, and it says the source is Variety. So Variety posted that. And Variety's like the... Yeah, I... Because Disgusting Film tweeted that, and they're super reliable, and if they credited Variety, then that's even more reliable, but I can't find it on Variety, and I don't know, I'd really like to think that Sam Raimi's doing it, but just the lack of coverage that went into that, I don't think, I think it could be a very heavy rumor. I hope so. Well, I hope it's true, because with these horror projects, you, you need you need someone who, but does does he fit that style? I feel like Blade's a bit darker because I feel like Sam Raimi is jokey with his more serious and darker tone. And I don't know if I really would love to see a dark Blade movie, you know? And, I mean, we yeah. we have the Blade trilogy. We reviewed all of those on the podcast, which most of most of what is in those films is fantastic. But I feel like you can really go hard and make this really separate from the MCU. Have Black Knight in it. That's fine. The setup from Eternals was cool enough. But I really would like to see the whole vampire world fleshed out in the MCU. Maybe we get a character that was previously we've known before is a vampire. You know they look like humans. I just really would like the whole thing to be a focus on Blade and for it to be really serious in tone. Because whether you like it or not, Sam Raimi does just have some cringy dialogue choices. And it's in all of his movies. I mean, (laughs) we certainly saw some cringy blade dialogue in the the first three films that's for sure yeah and sam raimi definitely has his his style and i mean it's all it's also why people love sam raimi so much because the corniness is what makes that uh sam raimi spider-man trilogy and uh yeah dr strange fans weren't really ready for some of the cheese in there but i think dr strange still kind of hit hit it on the mark for the most part it definitely did, even though it's getting the most hate I've ever seen, especially with the announcement that Michael Waldron, the writer for that movie, is going to write for, I believe it's the Kang Dynasty, is that correct? Or Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. As, you know, me and you as fans of Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness and both massive Loki fans, we couldn't be more excited about this news. So I'm all for it. If Someone who wrote Loki and... Loki and Doctor Strange, they clearly have a grasp on 
what the multiverse is. So Kang Dynasty should be in really good hands. I set a limit on myself. I really don't go down rabbit holes on TikTok comment sections. But I, I said in I said after the announcement, I saw everyone hating on the director. I'm like, oh no, it has the multiverse of madness writer. This is going to be trash. So I commented, I just, a, a quick little comment. I said, are we all just forgetting about Loki? And I got like seven comments saying Loki was trash. That was mid. I hated Loki. And I was like, dang, there really are people out here who really don't like Loki. I, I'm certainly not one of them, but I, I really think that he's going to land. I mean, he's the person who's been dealt with. He's been dealing with the multiverse since its inception. Well, when we really figured out what it was in Loki. So there's no one better, I think. There's no better choice for a writer for either either of those movies. Yeah, and I think with uh, just everything that's come out since Endgame, the MCU is in a slump where anything they put out, regardless of how good it is, people are still going to hate it. People are still going to hate it just because, oh, this, this isn't as good as Endgame. Every movie's been trashed since Endgame. We're going to get that forever. Kang Dynasty is going to come out immediately will be compared to Infinity War and Endgame. And I'll tell you right now, it's not going to compare those two. It's like uh, comparing Rings of Power to the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It just, it's just, it's there. It's on its own thing. And it's why, also, Daredevil Born Again, regardless how good and how similar it is to the Netflix show, uh, for a lot of fans, they'll never even come close. That ne- those first three Netflix seasons are untouchable. And I can't believe Disney's doing this garbage to the character. Any any little choice they do, any little nuance they do to Matt Murdock, people are going to critique that and hate that. So they, they're just, uh, they got millions of fans, but they also got millions of haters. So with the great power comes great responsibility. Amen. I I, I just wish we could go back to the time. I, I was watching the Endgame trailers a few days ago and just the the feeling around everyone and every, like there was no hate whatsoever only excitement, only positive. And, you know, as Star Wars fans, we went through that in 2017, the great divide in uh, December of 2017. But it's just it's it's just not nice to see it when it happens to another one of your major properties. But I'm hoping, and if, if my theory on the future is correct, and this these two Avengers films are a culmination of all six phases not just of the last three, is true, we could be in store for one of the most ambitious and best things that have ever happened ever in the history of cinema. Because what could top Endgame and Infinity War? What could top that? You know it's going to try. And in my opinion, I'm not going to lie, we're shifting into the future of MCU talk right now, because I do want to talk about Wakanda forever, but I see them bringing back Tony Stark and Steve Rogers for mm. those films. The core Avengers, since it's a multiverse saga, I could see them bringing those two back for the end-all, be-all. And I could see them being having a scene with Tony Stark, Steve Rogers, played by Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans, with a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man with a Hugh Jackman Wolverine. Could you imagine a scene with those four, the goats of our generation of the last yes. 20 years? Well, <laughs> I could I could imagine it, but also I don't want to... I'm of the belief that I'd never want to see Downey or Evans back 
as the roles they played. That's how I am. I love the endings for both those characters. I love how they left them off. I don't care if we're bringing in multiverse shenanigans. I, I think those are just untouchable characters. But we do have Hugh Jackman coming back, who I also thought was an untouchable character in his Wolverine. He's coming back to Deadpool 3. So I, I don't know. It just feels like that feels too much like fan service to me if they bring back Tony and Cap. So if you have, so let me ask you this then: If you have Tony Stark and Steve Rogers brought back in the way they that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were handled with the the care that they were brought back, if there was a, a genuine good reason why they were brought back, would you be still opposed to it? Well, the thing is, we what is a Tony Stark that isn't our Tony Stark? Mm. Like we saw plenty of Doctor Stranges in Multiverse of Madness. What is Doctor Strange if he's not ours? He's That's, not the one we had. Yes. So you bring the problem with bringing in a Tony and a Cap is we know how the stories end for our Tony and our Cap. I mean, Cap is a little looser because we saw him as young man Cap and then we saw him again as old man Cap. So maybe they could have him appear as our Cap. But for as far as Tony goes, I don't think there's really a way to do that. So I'll say this. I'll say the door's open for Steve to come back because he is in the 40s doing whatever with Peggy. You you could bring him back in a big multiverse time travel story again. But I like the door being closed on Tony. I'm going to stick with that. I No, okay, and I'm with you. Like, I'm not... This isn't like a Rick scenario with The Walking Dead where he needs to come back. They don't need to bring him back for it to be good. I'm just saying that for them to break the the ceiling basically and make it bigger and better than Infinity War and Endgame, I feel like you have to have all of that in there, I guess. And with a title like Secret Wars, and we know kind of what that is all about in the comics, the incursions, many different variants on this battle world, duking it out, doing who knows what, with Doctor Doom at the center of it. So I I could just see them doing that and making it as big as possible. I feel like the hype level would be there. Obviously, you'd have your haters and purists of being like, the ending was perfect, you know. But I'm open to it. I'm open to both of them. If they can give me, it's just, that's the thing. They have to give me a very good reason for Tony Stark, especially because of his daughter. They have to give me a very good reason that he's back. But if they can do that, I'm open to see. I'm, I, I, I'm all in for that. Especially if you give like them a scene with like Tobey Maguire or Hugh Jackman. I feel like right there is a potential that people have wanted to see. So, I mean, even Hugh Jackman and Spider-Man. That's been, that's been a conversation topic since the early 2000s. When can we possibly see them together in a film? You can do that in 2025, man. And I think they are bringing... I think they're doing stuff. Sony's been coy with Spider-Man news, but I, I'm... I'm almost certain that they're doing one or two things with Andrew or Toby. Yeah, and I think a Toby and uh, Hugh Jackman review or uh, coming together is definitely really, really likely, especially with Hugh Jackman. For sure, coming back, we just had Toby McGuire back. So that, that feels really likely to me. But, Ben, you said a few things. It's how do you make this this bigger than Endgame? And I don't, I don't really know if I, I like that terminology because... I don't like that trying to chase what Endgame was because 
as I said earlier, for a lot of fans, Endgame will never be topped. It will never be topped. And trying to chase that, I think, is a mistake. I think you need to focus on your story you're telling and try to make it the best version of the story you're telling possible, not trying to compare it and try to retroactively be better than what you did before. Because obviously, yeah, you want you want a story that's bigger and means more, but also you're going to reach that climax. When is your ceiling? Yeah, I no, I'm I'm with you on that. I I actually I definitely agree with you, but I feel like that is their model. That has always been Kevin Feige's model. That and how do we make this the best possible version of the story that we can do? But he's always, I mean, you look at all of the MCU films, the Endgame was the biggest. And obviously, like you have these projects that are, you know, kind of in the middle. But I I feel like with his comments of it being the culmination of all six phases. I feel like that they're going to try and make that huge. Like Fox X-Men characters, Tobey Maguire level huge. But I, at the end of the day, I'm with you. If the story's not there, neither will the audience be. Yeah, so Endgame wasn't great because... It was great because all our characters were coming together, but it was also great because the emotional punch was there. It was satisfying in the way it needed to be satisfying, and it was exciting in the way it needed to be exciting, and we just got to see all these characters come together. So th- if they can just get that again, then yeah. But it's also the buildup is completely different with Secret Wars, King Dynasty, because with the Infinity Saga, we had, what is it, 10 years building to Infinity War and Endgame. But with this, we got, what, four or five, maybe? We got half the time to... Deliver what, as you're saying, just as much as the hype, that'll be really hard. Yeah, it is going to be difficult. But with the proper care, and especially with the projects that are coming up, I feel like it can do that. And we're running a little long on time, but I do want to talk about the next upcoming project that is after Werewolf by Night. We've gotten this holiday special. We're going to give you a full review on She-Hulk when it finishes this week in about two days, as of the recording of this right now. and Black Panther is on the cusp. We are a month away as of tomorrow. Actually, no, Thursday with Thursday releases. In a month, we will be in the theaters watching Black Panther Wakanda Forever. They just released a trailer last week. I want to get your quick thoughts on that before we end here. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm so excited for this movie. Just the trailer, like comparing the trailer, it doesn't look like a normal Marvel movie trailer. Like when I saw it, the visuals and the spectacle of it, it felt like watching the avatar trailer did like it just feels so big it feels so real it doesn't have that cheap tint that a lot of the past movies have had and the runtime on top of all that two hours and 41 minutes they know what they have they're telling the story and i'm i'm really excited for what ryan coogler has and what the cast has and just to see how they handle chadwick's passing and how they'll retroactively handle that and then move forward at the same time. So do you think, because the theory out there is right now, and potential spoilers, if you don't want to know anything, the theory out there is that there is not going to be a definitive Black Panther, that multiple of the characters, whoever they might be, are going to wear a version of the Black Panther suit. Do you like that idea? Yeah, I do like that idea because it's hard just to go from what Chadwick was and then next movie in the span of that address his passing and have a new Black Panther crowned. It's 
it it seems like a tough thing to tackle. And I also think they want to release the movie and then sit on the decision of who they make the next Black Panther. And I just don't so. know. Do, do they make it? Do you go forward after this film with the main Black Panther, like with a set? Okay, this is who it's going to be from now on. Like, I, I don't know if they've made that decision yet, but this one is the big potential spoiler. There has been nothing confirmed about this. It is simply rumor. But if you do not want to know, if you want to go in absolutely blind, I this is something that I would not want to know if I didn't know it already. I'm just, I just do know it. So I would like to talk about it. But if you don't want to know this, I would recommend skipping this if you haven't known it already. But I, have, I am, of course, talking about the rumors that could quite possibly be that Dr. Doom may show up in more than just a cameo in this film, that he may indeed be the secret villain that the trailers have been avoiding this whole time. Is that possible? If so, this will be a worthy conclusion to phase four. Well, yeah, it, something has to happen. This is the conclusion of this phase. It's the conclusion of phase four. And we know uh, secret and secret Secret Wars is coming. And uh, however way you look at that, whichever story you're adapting, Dr. Doom is a core part of that story. So we need Dr. Doom involved. And we know Kang Dynasty, the Avengers movie right before that. Kang was introduced over a year ago. So I feel like the introduction of Dr. Doom has to also be be coming soon. And I was watching the Koi videos, his Dr. Doom video. He Koi Jandrews with Real Rejects plug to them they're a fantastic channel i've been watching them a lot recently actually and they were they had a whole dr doom video and koi was talking about where he would show up and he his theory is that he's going to show up in many of the films that are coming up especially of course you have fantastic four but doom is going to be a key player that still hasn't even like there's been nothing nothing not even a casting rumor it's just when will he show up but he's going to be a major player in these next two phases and if he shows up in black panther wakanda forever because just just take a look at take a look at like the plot synopsis of it wakanda is taken up i believe the the plot synopsis is, is wakanda is caught in the battle between two warring factions i believe that's the that's the plot summary of what it is what it was given okay that doesn't make any sense i thought it was wakanda and Atlant at the atlanteans like there's another I mean it could just be generic but that that plot synopsis might reveal a bit much. Hold on, let me let yeah, me find it. Let me find it. Think. Yeah, no no no. The nation of Wakanda is pitted against intervening world powers as they mourn the loss of their king T'Challa. Atlanta is like I could be totally wrong on this. But the Atlanteans is only one of those factions. We have no idea what the other one is. And that's the official Marvel.com plot synopsis. Is that Latveria? Is it a certain Doctor Doom? Maybe it's only Victor at this point. We will find out soon. We will find out soon. But yeah, Namor, uh, Namor actor has stated that he is not the villain of the movie. We didn't think he would be, but yeah, knowing that and knowing that the real villain has not been revealed, it definitely makes it more interesting. And I do, I do love the idea of building up. Kang and Dr. Doom side by side because, I don't know, I've shared this theory with you before, Ben, about how I think ultimately the Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars will end with our Avengers putting the Kang we met and Loki in charge at the Citadel at the end of time, putting him in charge of the timeline. Kind of like how the Spider-Verse comic ends 
with putting the master weaver into place. It's all the Spider-Man putting him into place. And it's kind of, kind of goes in a big loop. So I think that would be super cool to see the Kang we saw in Loki again. And the end of his story, which was in Loki actually start at the end of the phase. And we kind of get to work backwards, kind of like the river song stuff in Dr. Who. Yes. Yes. I could totally see that happening. And that would make Loki just that much more special, man, because we're seeing what is really the end or the beginning. You could say, you know, wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff, you know, I'm really excited to see where this goes, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The black Panther trailer, the second one gave me feelings that I haven't felt in a while. The excitement for an upcoming Marvel project since about No Way Home. Greatly looking forward to that movie, but um, I think that does it for time. I think we're about about over an hour right now, but it's a very good conversation that we've had about the future of the MCU and Werewolf by Night. If you haven't seen it, definitely go check it out. I would assume you've seen it at this point if you've made it this far. <laughs> But uh, definitely go check it out. Subscribe on the YouTube channel if you can. Leave a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Otherwise, this has been Rayside. This is Ethan Watson. Signing off. We all hope you have an absolutely fantastic day.